Welcome to Psych Talk. I am your host, Jessica Lee, a licensed clinical psychologist. It is my mission to motivate, inspire, and educate you on everything psychology, mental health, and self-growth. Although topics discussed on this podcast are similar to therapy, Psych Talk is not a replacement for therapy and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Whether you are a mental health professional or student in the social science field, are interested in psychology and mindset shifts, or are just interested in gaining skills and knowledge to grow into the best version of yourself, this podcast is for you. My hope is to provide you with knowledge and skills that you can implement in your daily life that add up to make a big impact. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Psych Talk. So I am super excited to do today's episode. If you listen to episode 51, it was on Insta Therapy. If you haven't listened to it, go back and check that out. But in that episode, I alluded to doing an episode on mental health influencers because that episode was just about mental health therapists having social media platforms. So I am super excited to do this episode and I am even more excited because I have Kristen Gingrich back. She is my first time, second time guest, if that made sense. So I had her on for episode 34 on societal body image. So Kristen, thanks for joining me again. Thanks for having me back. I'm super excited that we can talk about this. I'm super excited too. And I'm excited that we're just going to have a discussion. Like there's no real question and answer. We're just, we just kind of have topics that we're going to talk about. Um, But before we do that, I will ask you a question for the like Mm -hmm. one listener who doesn't know who you are. (laughs) Um, Can you just introduce yourself um, and a little bit about who you are, what you do? Yeah, so my name is Kristen Gingrich. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a certified alcohol and drug counselor here in Maine. I have a TikTok and an Instagram at Not Your Average Therapist. Um, I work with all different ages. I supervise um, case managers and outpatient therapists for my day job. And in my free time, I'm making fun, hilarious videos and calling people out and <laughs> on their sleep hygiene and their drinking way too much Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And by that, you mean you're calling yourself out? Rude. Yeah. (laughs) Accurate. Uh, It's not a lie. Yeah. So Chris and I had talked about doing this episode like uh, forever ago and we're just getting around to it. So, um, Kristen has a much bigger social media presence than I do, but we both share similar frustrations about Mm -hmm. uh mental health influencers as well as you know positive things so we wanted to come on and chat about it so I guess the first kind of topic that we have to talk about and none of this is pre-planned for those of you all listening so we're just going to see how this goes (laughs) Um, so let's talk with start with positive so what are some benefits of having mental health influencers or mental health advocates on social media Yeah, I think it's, I mean, what's the main reason, right? We're breaking the stigma, Mm -hmm. right? We're in 2021 and there's still such a stigma around mental health and talking about mental health, Um, men's mental health, women's mental health, mother's mental health. Um, It's still being hush about it. Um, And that's what we're doing. Like whether you're an advocate, whether you're a therapist, whether you're um, a life coach or doctor like and talking about this stuff like it's to break this stigma um it's to give relatable content for people to say I am not alone mm-hmm. um so there are videos that I post that people are like wait other people have intrusive thoughts like I'm not the only one who has these and I'm like yeah millions of people have these um and I think there's like there are benefits to it 100 what are what do you think so I love that you said the relatable content, because that's the first thing that comes to, to mind for me, because I feel like a lot of us that are professionals that have a social media platform do share some about our experience and probably more so being like millennials than maybe older generations. But I feel like 
especially like mental health advocates can share their story in a much deeper way than maybe a lot of professionals do just because we do try to keep that professional boundary. Um, And I think for some people consuming the information as well, like it sounds different coming from somebody that, you know, oh, they have this lived experience and they're a therapist versus like, oh, this is just somebody with lived experience. And they're not trying to like, you know, tell me to use these coping skills because they learned them in school. Um, So I do think there is that kind of relatableness that advocates or influencers with lived experience can bring that we as professionals could try, but it doesn't come across the same, if that makes sense. It does. And it, and it pulls back a veil. Mm -hmm. This, it pulls back the mystery of therapy and it pulls back the mystery of talking about this stuff. Um, because again, we were told so long, like we don't hair out your dirty laundry. Don't tell people when you're struggling, like people don't want to hear it. And yeah, we might not want to tell the cashier at the grocery store, but we're also not telling our friends and our family. And so it's giving these opportunities. Like, how do I start the discussion with my mom? How do I ask my friends for support? How do I set a boundary or any of that? And it pulls back a veil Mm -hmm. of even just like, look, let's look inside what therapy can look like for a variety of different providers. Cause we're all different Yeah. Um, in how we approach everything. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to, I literally just had a thought and it like escaped me as you were talking Bob brain, it's Bob <laughs> Bob brain. brain. Um, any other thoughts on benefits of having mental health influencers yeah. or advocates while I'm trying I think to remember it, what I was thinking. Yeah. I think it helps bring awareness too. Right. So you might be having symptoms and you're not quite sure how to name them, but then you see a put a finger down challenge, um, for depression and suddenly you have all 10 fingers down. Now that can help you put a name and say, Ooh, maybe I should talk to my doctor about my de- depression. Maybe that's something that I might be struggling with or, Oh, intrusive oh those I checked off a lot of OCD boxes and it's not just because I'm organized like it's it it gives some of that self-diagnosing which can be helpful um in in a lot of ways to then go and ask a professional like can I can I suss this out with you can I talk with this to see if this is actually what it is because we know with we know with mental health diagnoses it's kind of like one big 57 Venn diagrams where they all overlap and Anxiety has the same, has some similar symptoms as depression and PTSD and OCD and borderline personality disorder. Like just because you have one symptom doesn't mean you suddenly have 10 of these. And so um, that can be super helpful, but also be unhelpful um, if you don't go and follow up and we're just kind of saying, oh, I ticked 10 boxes. I have OCD. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think a lot of um, the benefits can also be risk depending on Mm -hmm. um, which we'll get into. And I did remember what I was thinking and I wrote it down. So I didn't forget again. Um, I think another benefit of having like influencers or advocates that aren't licensed professionals on social media is like as therapists, we explicitly put disclaimers out. Like we cannot respond to DMs. Like we, this this is not therapy. TikTok's not therapy. Instagram's not therapy. We don't offer advice one-on-one where I think, and this can go into risk as well, but like having like influencers or advocates who can talk to somebody struggling on a relatable level, like, oh, I'm really having bad anxiety. The advocate can be like, okay, when I have anxiety, this is what helps me or can provide more of that like individualized comfort. I'm not going to say advice. I'm not going to say therapy because it's not. Then us as professionals can do because that crosses an ethical boundary where peer to peer kind of, I don't know, confiding in comfort. Once again, it could be risky if the advice is not healthier sound, but I do think that is also a benefit. Definitely. Well, and, um, there's a benefit, like you said, the benefit of peer to peer, um, there is a benefit to that. That isn't a professional level. Um, and the benefit of therapists, the benefit of PhDs, the benefit of life coaches, um, they all have a place that can really provide really helpful information. Mm-hmm. Any other benefits before we move on to our next 
topic. There probably are, but those are probably like the big, the big tier ones. <laughs> if, if they come up, we'll just add them in. Okay. So we just talked about benefits. So what are risks of having mental health influencers or advocates online? And I'm thinking specifically not licensed influencers mm-hmm. or advocates. Mm-hmm. Oh man. It's, it gets really risky mm-hmm. um, because you have individuals who are not when, when individuals, I use this phrase often, step out of the lane that mm-hmm. they're supposed to be in. There is a place for therapists. There are a place for life coaches. There are a place for advocates. There are a place for general influencers. It's when you step out of that lane and um, when, an, when an advocate um, steps out of that lane and begins to provide very therapeutic information. That is, that is incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen that over and over and again. Um, even with some big creators, we've seen that where we're like, oh, what did you just do? Yeah. You are completely off base. You have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and that's what may, and then again, like even us as therapists, like we can step out of our lane. Mm-hmm. Um, and step into a peer role, which gets really, really messy and gets really risky and puts our things like our licenses at risk. Mm-hmm. And then you have people who claim to be something, yeah. Um, whether they claim to be a licensed provider or, or something, and it's misleading. They're not actually licensed. They're not who they say they are. They're not um, at the level of degree that they say that they are. Um, mm-hmm. and that becomes misleading. Yeah, no, I was thinking that, um, whether it's intentional or, and we have seen this a lot, somebody is a influencer with a very large following and they may or may not explicitly state, like they're just an advocate. They're just a, um, influencer regardless, even if they do state it, a lot of people will see, oh, they have a million followers. They have 500,000 followers. This person must be legit and just assume they are licensed. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be harmful. The other thing that I'm thinking too is a lot of times because these individuals are speaking from lived experience, they talk about advice or give information based on their lived experience. And what one person's lived experience is, what, what what works for one person may not work for another person. But because they are so influential, have this big following, things like that, people will take that as concrete advice. And that can be harmful, whether it's because it doesn't work for them. I mean, we know as professionals, like I can give you a coping skill and it might work great for me and it doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. For you, but giving a coping skill or giving advice and not having a disclaimer like this might not work for you, or this is what helped me, but it may be different for you. The person can try to do it and implement it, whether correctly or incorrectly and incorrectly could be harmful as well. Um, And then they're like, it doesn't work for me. Something must be wrong with me. Or they try to keep doing it and it doesn't work. Um, or they take what the individual says as fact, going back to like self-diagnosis, somebody might say like, these were symptoms I had of X, Y, or Z disorder. And by symptoms, they're not actually symptoms, but experiences. And mm-hmm. somebody watches that and I was like, oh, I must have that disorder because I have those things. But then it's general things like difficulty concentrating. And I use this example all the time because people automatically think ADHD. Difficulty concentrating is literally a criteria for depression, anxiety, and I'm sure other things. As mom, well. brain. <laughs> mom brain <laughs> um so i think it can be harmful in that yeah. way yeah it it is it can be like it can get really messy really quickly for a lot of things and again it's knowing who you follow um it's knowing that not every single thing will apply to you. I think that is, like you said, like it's taken as concrete fact mm-hmm. when the reality, like I get comments every day Video. on videos <laughs> that are like, well, this doesn't apply to me. This doesn't work for me. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't work for you. Um, it's always being aware of who you follow. Like I always, I always joke in my lives and I say, 
Like you guys are full hard trusting me that I have a license mm-hmm. and I am exactly who I say I am. Now you can all look in the state of Maine and you can find my license. Um, but there are people out there who are not who they say that they are. And I mean, Nev and Max show that every every week on their new episodes of Catfish, right? That people are there are people out there who say that they're that show that they're not who they say that they are. And I so I love how you just threw that in there. <laughs> Side note, Kristen and I are going to open our own like FBI agency to find catfish. That's, that's, our, that's our next business, screw therapy. <laughs> Nevin Max, can you sponsor us, please? Thanks. But that's the thing is like, is like everybody takes these things and they take them as fact. They take, um, and there have been times where I have been, I've at first been like, whoa, wow, this person's really whatever. And then I'm like, oh, wait, something's fishy here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always say, like, if something seems fishy, look into it. Again, if you don't like a creator's content that they're creating, like, unfollow them. If, if there's stuff that they're saying and you're like, ooh, this is making me feel bad or I don't like this. Like, always, always take all of our content with a grain of salt. Even if people, like, even if I sit here and I show you my degrees with my name and my driver's license, like, take everything with a grain of salt because you never know where that information is coming from. And I know this, the group of TikTok therapists that I'm friends with, I've been able to suss out and all of that. Like we try our hardest to give informed, well-researched information. But again, that's all based out of our own, our own practice. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be therapists out there who don't like the five, four, three, two, one method. And there are others who will do that every day until the day that they die. Yeah. Um, And so it's all about kind of sussing out that information. Yeah. Um, So that kind of leads into something else we were going to talk about um, with like how to tell if someone's a professional or just an influencer. But before we get there, any other risks that come to mind? Um, No, I think it's just, I mean, it's just where you get like your information. It can be harmful. And I think it's risky for the people creating it. So for us, like, Every day that I post a video, I put my license on a line. Yeah. In a way. Every day that I engage with my followers, I put my license on the line. Um, every day that influencers post incorrect information, they are spreading misinformation. Mm-hmm. Um, they where it can get them in trouble, it can't whatever you want to call it. Um, like it, there's just risk in general as a human, yeah, in that. Um, in just being online and being present there. Yeah. And we'll get into kind of like consequences and stuff too. But I think that's, you know, specifically for like non-licensed professionals, like if you created this like brand, your brand is on the line. If you are found Mm -hmm. out to spread harmful or dangerous um, information. And I know this is not like mental health related, but I know like this is a few years back. I followed this like big fitness influencer and it turned out like she was not credentialed with anything. She made fitness plans. I put that in quotes so nobody can see me, um, for people that like they never received or they were supposed to be individualized. And it turned out to be just like the same one for everybody. And she got in a lot of legal trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she built this giant brand and the same can happen for like mental health influencers or advocates. Um, So how can people on the internet (laughs) tell if someone is a professional or just an influencer? And I mean, you kind of alluded to this, but I'm going to make it like clear. Like if somebody is licensed, you can look up their license. And like, Mm -hmm. I feel like more people need to know that. Like- if you know what state they're in and the degree that they hold, and then they're, mm-hmm. I was going to say, and their first and last name, technically you can just search first name. It's going to take a lot longer, mm-hmm. most likely, mm-hmm. but like you can see if they are licensed, you can search any licensed professional. There's a de- database yeah. you can look Definitely. up. Stateofmaine.gov, <laughs> social work board, Kristen Gingrich, you can find my license. Have at it, everybody. But that's the thing is like, you can it, it is, it's pretty easy to search up individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it's looking, do, do they have a license? What are they claiming to be? Mm -hmm. Um, do they have things like a website? And a lot of us don't, like, I don't have a website. I don't either. Um, but I feel like 
you can kind of like, there's a feeling in a gut that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, when I have looked at certain pages and things like that, there's a feeling that I get in my gut. This is, hmm, this is strange. This is off. Mm-hmm. Um, Mo, I will say Mo, I, licensed professionals should not be reaching out to individuals one-on-one providing therapy through Instagram. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be giving out personal phone numbers. Like I get messages day after day after day. And I know that you do too, of like, can you be my therapist? Can we talk through Instagram? No. Yeah. No. So then um, that's a good red flag. If somebody is, doing yeah. that, they're likely not licensed or if they are, should be reported to the licensing board. Yeah. Or they're not great. And, and I think, I feel like it comes back to that gut. Um, You look at something kind of like when you look at a profile of even a friend and you're like, that doesn't seem, seem right. Like, again, pull out your Nev and Max, like feelers. Does it feel kind of catfishy? Does it feel kind of like off? And it doesn't mean that that person is not who they say that they are. Mm -hmm. Because again, I don't have a website. Um, I don't have books in my name or anything like that. Um, but I always, like I said before, like always take it with a grain of salt mm-hmm. um, because on social media, I can be whatever I want to be. Yeah. Um, and there's no one to prove me wrong until someone proves me wrong. Right. Yeah. And I mean, this might seem like elementary, but like look at their profiles. And obviously this is not like a sure fire way, but a lot of licensed professionals will say, like licensed clinical social worker, licensed professional counselor, Mm -hmm. um, licensed clinical psychologist, like they will make it known that they have a license. And also they tend to have some type of disclaimer. So on Instagram, you can actually put like in stories and save it to the highlights on TikTok. It might say like TikTok is not therapy. Like most professionals that at least are in our circle of social media therapists will have those types of things. If they don't, you know, that's not saying like every professional has those things, but they may be an influencer. A lot of mental health advocates will also put in their profile. Mm -hmm. So like if, you know, you're scrolling through your content and they're like, you're like, Ooh, I like this person, check their profile and see what it says. And then also go with your gut. Like you can look up people like we keep saying, mm-hmm. um, and ask, that's the other yeah. thing. Like nobody, no professional should get offended. If you ask if they are licensed or what their credentials are. And if they are an influencer or mental health advocate, they should respond and say, I am not a licensed therapist. I am a mental mm-hmm. health advocate. If they don't, and other than like, maybe they're not responding to like every thing, but if there's a theme, like, and we've seen this before where people will comment like, oh, you're such a great therapist. Or like, are you a therapist on an influencer's post? And they never respond to me. That's a red flag. Like, Mm -hmm. are you intention? You're not intentionally misrepresenting yourself, but you're also not correcting misinformation. Yeah. I get those in my live all the time. I go live and people are like, are you actually a therapist? I'm like, yep. Yep. Yes, I am. And again, like grain of salt. Yeah. Grain of salt. Um, I know me and you, we joked once and we both send each other like copies of our, our license just for like fun. We're like, oh my gosh, here, send it. I want to verify. But again, like grain of salt for, for anyone, like, because you just, you just never know. Yeah. Um, and there are plenty of therapists on here who are legit Mm -hmm. um, and who are amazing and who do really great work. And then there are some creators that have been like, Oh, okay. Why are you here? Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that just came to mind is in, even if you ask, like, are you a therapist? And people say, yeah, that gut's still off. You can ask like, what was your training to get Mm -hmm. to where you are? Because you know, if somebody can give like very specifics, like, okay. Or if that might, you know, make the influencer say like, oh, I'm, you know, I don't have any formal training this. I'm just really passionate about mental health. Or, Mm -hmm. um, I started a nonprofit for mental health. 
um, but I am not a licensed professional, whatever it is. Not an, I'm not an advocate. I have a mental health nonprofit, but I'm not an advocate. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, and ultimately like you, and you said this kind of already, but like you get to choose who you follow mm-hmm. and yes, like it's a lot of work to like I mean, it's not really a lot of work to look up somebody's license, but like, I don't put my last name on my public platforms. It's easy to find if you wanted to, but like, I don't put my last name on public platforms. So it might take like a little more research and it might seem annoying. Like, oh, I have to search this person's license and blah, blah, blah. But like, if you are passionate about getting accurate, legitimate mental health content, like take those extra steps. Um, And I guess this isn't directly on like how to tell someone's a professional, but like, say you really like Kristen's content, look at who she follows to get more of that information. Or like, if you like my content, like if you find a licensed professional or even an influencer who you feel like is providing good quality information, look at who they follow because Mm -hmm. it's likely that they are going to follow other high quality Content. And look and look at who is engaging on their posts. Like yeah. the people that I follow, and I have unfollowed people because I haven't liked their content or their content hasn't aligned with my beliefs or anything. It doesn't mean that they're not. Just because I don't follow someone doesn't mean that they're not legit. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like looking at who the people you're following. Who are they engaging with? Who's engaging on their posts? Yeah. Anything else about how to tell someone's a professional or just an influencer? I think that's pretty good. So let's talk about consequences. So we already kind of talked about it, but specifically, I know we've talked about this and I've talked about this with other people, like the lack of consequences for misinformation from influencers Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. licensed professionals. I mean, it's it's pretty (laughs) self-explanatory. There isn't many consequences. No, there's, there's, um, there's not because there is no license on the line. There is no job at stake. There is no kind of reputation in a way um, that is at stake on like for licensed professionals. If I put out information and even one video, like being honest, like won't get my license taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will, it'll leave a bad taste in people's mouths. I have, I have put out videos that have not gone over well mm-hmm. and I've had to take them down because I'm like, okay, like, intent versus reception reception was not great so I ended up taking it down to kind of say like okay like I see where you guys are receiving this and I and I apologize um but if I engage with my followers in a way that other big influencers do I can get myself in hot hot water um Mm -hmm. like I get all the time are you ever this is what I always go back to. Are you ever going to do meetups, Kristen? Are you ever going to go meet with your followers? And the answer is no. Yeah. Because there is too much risk there because I built a platform on me being a therapist. Yeah. And all that takes is someone coming to my meet and greet in crisis because they know that I'm a therapist and I, and I can get in trouble. Um, it's the same online. Like if I answer those DMs and I start that relationship, all it takes is for someone to harm themselves and gets me in trouble Mm -hmm. and it's our boundaries are just as much to protect ourselves and the consequences that impact us as well as it is for our followers Mm -hmm. and that's where we go back to like that like if you have a person claiming to be a therapist and they're outreaching you and they're doing things that seem like therapy that is big red flag 101 yeah right there yeah no this person wasn't uh she she was a nurse Um, but recently, and granted her video was atrocious. And I will say, we haven't explicitly said that there are bad apples in all professions. Like, yeah, there's bad apples in all professions, but she made a couple TikToks that were very alarming. Um, and she built the platform off of being a nurse and they found her license. They found out people like followers found out where she lived. It was in North Carolina. So it was on our news because I'm in South Carolina and she got fired and her license I'm pretty sure is pending being revoked because of, and granted it was very poor content that she put online, but like I'm using that as an example, like she no longer has a job and potentially not a license. Yeah. And honestly, in my like 
opinion because I saw the videos like that's well deserved because if she treats her clients like she was portraying in the TikTok it is unprofessional but in contrast like influencers can put out harmful information um, misleading information or accurate information that is said in a harmful or derogatory way and there's no consequences other than maybe their video gets taken down and yes if it's to the extent that like their whole platform turns on them. They could, like I mentioned earlier with the fitness influencer, you could lose your following. You could get sued if somebody ended up like hurting themselves because Mm -hmm. of your content. Or I don't know. I know like in, I don't know all states, but I know like in California, they have certain laws. Like if you are not licensed or don't have certain training, you can't host like workshops and things like that around mental health contents because that's considered like, you misrepresentation misrepresenting yourself so there are some legality but you're not losing your license or your job because you don't have a license and if your job is to be an influencer which is great like I think it is amazing that we live in a society where you can have a job that you are solely working online like that's wonderful if it's done correctly I mean, all it takes is a video gone bad for me to post its misinformation and someone to send it to my employment mm-hmm. um, and them to be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, or, and again, like for me, like I have clients who have found my TikTok mm-hmm. and how does that portray if I put out a video like that? Um, there are a lot of consequences like that. And for us, mm-hmm. um, and then there are the consequences to our followers. Yeah. Um, when when that misinformation goes out. And then I know for us, like when misinformation goes out from influencers, and we've seen this time and time again, um, that's happening right now with names that will not be named, is we're, we're now coming in and we're saying, no, we have, we're picking up the cleaning, we're picking up the pieces on this yeah. to show like, here's the correct information. Yeah. Here's the correct um way to talk about this Um, because all it takes is one video and we're like oh my freaking god why and it's like we're working against like and like I remember watching it and I'm like this is what we're working to stop and you're perpetuating it Mm -hmm. like and and that's something when we see some of these influencers who post um, especially sensitive topics, like things like suicidality or self-harm or things like that. And we're like, you just made it a million times worse. It has hundreds of thousands of views and you're like, you know, and you just read the comments and you're like, Mm -hmm. well, and how social media algorithms work, especially with these bigger influencers that have millions of followers, their videos get pushed out. So if there's a video with misinformation, it's going to reach a lot more people than me or even you. And you have a very large following, but like your video going out compared to somebody with two, three, four million followers. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like you said, we're picking up the pieces or if that is, you know, the first mental health related video somebody sees and it's full of misinformation and that's what they take. And it goes back to what you said. One of the first things about the benefit is breaking down the stigma. Misinformation can lead to increasing the stigma. Yeah. So there's another consequence going back to. Yeah. (laughs) And and two, when you're, when you're watching some of these videos, like, again, what do the comments say? Mm -hmm. Like, are there, are there perfect, like, again going back to the video I'm talking about it's like look at the comments from the actual mental health providers yeah what are they what are they saying what are their opinions on this because usually we're kind of coming back and we're like oh yeah and we're like no therapy can't happen in six months like it can for some people but it's that's not a common place yeah like no not and again there are some but not all therapists are going to run and tell your parents or, or what we call here a main blue paper, you enforce you into a 72 hour hole. Like, like mm-hmm. where's that information coming from? Are you getting more than one side of that? It's yeah. kind of like any information, right? Is there another side to that? Yes. Yeah. And can you find conflicting information that kind of balance out 
what's being said. To then formulate your own opinion. Yeah. Which I guess that was a really good segue into kind of the last thing we, the last topic we generally decided we were going to talk about is what are some specific areas of misinformation that we have personally seen from influencers a lot on social media. Um, and being mindful of the time, we will not talk about this for an hour, even though we probably could. <laughs> we could talk about it forever. I mean, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is suicidality mm-hmm. is the misinformation around suicidality and people's misconception of what constitutes making a report or making a whole. Um, the differences between passive and active suicidal thoughts and the impact that that has in therapy um people people don't realize that as therapists like our job is to keep you safe and I'm not gonna deny and say that those 72 hour holds don't happen yep but I have been in the field for five years and it's happened twice for me Mm -hmm. two times and that was the person denied every other intervention everything and pretty much was requesting to go on their own Mm -hmm. like it does not happen as frequently and there are bad and there are therapists out there who do but what happens is 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 then videos go out and they're talking about the process and again people take it as fact that if i if i'm honest with my therapist this is what's 100 percent gonna happen Mm -hmm. which is not the case Mm-hmm. And what, I, cause I mean, we have both made videos on this after seeing misinformation, but, um, one thing I always say is if you do not share suicidal thoughts with your therapist, you're not going to get better with them, like yeah. suppressing them, ignoring them, not disclosing them, isn't going to help you. And as long as you do not have intent and plan and are able to contract for safety, safety plan, which should be the first step, then you should not be sent to the hospital. And additionally, maybe you're sitting in the room with your therapist and you don't feel like you can safely go home and they do send you to the ER, you will get another evaluation there. Mm -hmm. And maybe you are only held for 72 hours. And that is, it can be very, very scary but it's to keep you safe. And you're not always going to end up in a hospital for a week in a psychiatric ward and things like that. There are a lot of steps in place before we get there, unless you want to. And that is like, there are some people like I have had patients that are like, I want to go because I know that will be safer for me. Great. Yeah. Um, But suicidal is one. ADHD is another one that Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of misinformation around, um, and I mentioned this earlier, but just like lack of concentration. Oh, I must have ADHD or a lot of people. And this can go for other um, disorders as well. Not knowing the difference between like diagnostic criteria or like non-specific factors that people with that disorder experience. So, you know, when we're diagnosing somebody, there are specific criteria, but there are a lot of things like you know, with anxiety, a lot of people have stomach aches or gastrointestinal issues or headaches. But if I'm looking at the criteria for anxiety disorders, like a stomach ache is not a specific criteria to get a diagnosis. Same with ADHD. Like they might have, you know, I don't know, nothing's coming to mind right now, but like, well, difficulty organizing is, um, a criteria as is losing things, but maybe, you know, they get distracted driving and that's like a specific thing. Like distractibility is part of it, but like, just because you get distracted driving doesn't necessarily mean you have ADHD, but when individuals put out information, like these were the things that I had that I didn't know were ADHD or didn't know were anxiety. People once again, read it as fact and like, oh, I must have that. And that can be horrible. Yeah. And again, like, it's not that you can't take that information and take it to your, your doctor or your therapist and say, Hey, I watched this and I want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you definitely can. I encourage all of my, my clients to bring information or to talk to me about things when they feel like they might be checking boxes and we can kind of talk about that. Yeah. But again, like you said, just because you check boxes doesn't mean it's fact a hundred percent. Yeah. And 
And I know going to talk to your doctor and talking to a therapist is a very privileged stance, mm-hmm. um, 100%. And you can use some of that information that you do find, like, right, you check off seven to 10 boxes for depression. Okay, well, if this is something that I might be struggling with, then maybe I need to start working on some skills to help. I can't walk and say, yes, I have depression, but I'm going to, I'm going to start maybe applying some of these coping skills. I'm going to start using grounding techniques when my anxiety peaks um, or things like that until maybe I do have the opportunity to talk to my doctor um, or do have an opportunity to see a therapist. Mm -hmm. Well, and going off that too, like, and you and I both say this, that going to a therapist is a very privileged thing to be able to do, unfortunately, in our country. Um, But if you think like, oh, I've been, you know, seen a couple of videos on X, Y, or Z disorder, and it sounds really likely, do more research from like legitimate websites. Mm-hmm. Maybe go to the bookstore and get a book, like, because there's self-help books out there, like on depression, on anxiety, on ADHD, um, dig deeper and start, like you said, working on some skills um, that can help you until you get to that place. Yeah, definitely. Um, any other uh, specific areas of misinformation? That you can get rid of anxiety. <laughs> okay. That suddenly, like, they, there's something that I see that you will, I don't think I've ever seen it come from a licensed therapist where they okay. say, let's get rid of your anxiety. Because we all know that you will never get rid of anxiety. You will decrease it to a manageable, normal amount. But when I watch these videos, it's like, get rid of your anxieties with these three tips. I'm like, what? Because anxiety is an adaptive emotion. And like, we need anxiety to function as human. Like, we would have not survived as a species if we didn't have anxiety. Well, and and it's it's, it's the fear. It's that piece that that makes us worry. Like, anxiety is is just worry. Mm Mm-hmm. And there is a normal amount and I don't think people realize that. And there's a way to cope with that. Um, so this idea that you can just get rid of anxiety or let me coach you out of all of your anxiety. Like what, what, no. And I see this time and time and time again with individuals that are, that are not licensed because I don't, I don't, I yet, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I have yet to come across a licensed professional who says, here are three tips to get rid of your anxiety. I hear three tips to lessen, three tips to help you manage, mm-hmm. three tips to help you function better, whatever reduce, word. Yeah. yeah, reduce. But I never hear, here are three to get rid of it. Yeah. No, that's right. a good one. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of some other um, influencer topics that I have. I think it's just, I mean, the only other thing that comes to mind is just the misinformation around therapy itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, that therapy happens in a certain time frame. Um, Minors. Minors, yeah. I mentioned that at the beginning, like that your therapist is going to tell your parent everything. And there are probably some therapists that do, but a good therapist will keep a minor's confidentiality yeah. unless and and then, they're harming them. yeah and there's a conversation like all of the minors that I've ever had we have a very distinct conversation around what information flows between parents and I always talk about like it's important for your parent to be involved mm-hmm. now I'm not going to go run and tell them but I'm, we're going to work towards telling them because in order for your parent to support you they need to know where you're at but I don't sit there and go and call up mom after a session like let's talk about so-and-so session like, yes. but we, we see this all the time. And a lot of times the videos are from people where that happened to, mm-hmm. um, but again, that's where we come back where personal situation is taken as fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's isolated incidences for everything. And just because it happened to some people or 10 people doesn't necessarily mean it's the norm. And if you're, and if you're a therapist listening, stop that. And you tell parents everything, stop it. Mm-hmm. That's my little, that's my little like thing. Like, stop it. Like yeah. revisit your confidentiality and why, why that needs to be there for your teens. I always tell, and we have an explicit conversation too, but teens and parents that, you know, 
And there are some exceptions. Like I have some teens that like don't care that their parents are in on session. And, you know, if they want their parents there, if they feel more comfortable and they're open with it, that's absolutely fine with me. But in most circumstances, your teen will not improve in the areas that they and you want them to improve in if they fear I am going to tell you everything. Exactly. And if you're bringing your child here, I know that you care about them. And you want them to get better. So the way to get better is respecting their privacy and confidentiality. And I like basically people either really like that or they don't come back. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Um, Yeah. I mean, I can think of so many other topics of just like misinformation, but I think it comes from people not being like influencers or, Mm -hmm. um, Things like that. I think, I mean, get rid of your anxiety is a good one, or just like get rid of anything in general, like with X amount of tips. Like, if you see that, that that's a red flag. Like, get rid of your ADHD with these three things. No. Like, it takes a lot of damn work. (laughs) Like, it took me four years of trauma therapy to get through my trauma. Like, and you're not getting it with deep breathing and three quick tips from TikTok. So you saying trauma just reminded me of a video I saw the other day about, um, and I honestly, I can't even name drop if I wanted to, because it was just sent to me about how, like, if you've experienced so much trauma, then you like reduce or you eliminate your ability to empathize with other people. And basically it was inferring you become like what we would in layman's turn call like a psychopath or sociopath. Yeah. And it was one of those videos that has like millions of followers. So which brings me to another, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about like, quote unquote, psychopaths, sociopaths, narcissists, things like that from oh, yeah. influencers, because it's a lot, oh, and people that aren't influencers, but like a lot of buzzwords. Yeah. We love a good narcissism. <laughs> we love a good narcissist video that just like, we're like, no, no, that's just an asshole. Like, <laughs> like no, we're not, we're not, nar- like, cause there is like, And I think that there's a piece, like there's narcissistic tendencies Mm -hmm. and like that kind of that lean into more like you're just a jerk. Yeah. And you're just self-centered, like whatever you want to call it, like those are buzzwords too. And then there's actual like narcissistic personality, like there's toxic and then like, and I think that those, that's a buzzword that gets Mm -hmm. thrown around so much that you're just like, oh my God, another one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, what is this? Oh God. Yeah. And I think there's, um, misinformation out there on trauma as well. Um, from, I mean, there's going to be misinformation on everything, but I think going back to like harm and stuff, misinformation on trauma, I feel like is very harmful, especially if the person is trying to teach skills, (laughs) um, or share, even if it's like, this is what worked for me, but the person takes it as fact and it doesn't work with them. And they're like ruminating about their trauma. That's going to make it worse mm-hmm. exactly and I think there's a lot of one of the things that I do when I make any trauma video I write could be yeah could be trauma because there are things like where people look back and they may not identify something as a trauma because they maybe had the space or the capacity to process that in the moment that it didn't leave a lasting impact mm-hmm. um, it might they might look back and be like yeah that's really sad and yeah that wasn't a great time but i don't have lasting impacts and so that's one of those things that are like i'm, I'm always like these are things that could be traumatic for people mm-hmm. not that are traumatic because i think they're also good they're like oh well my parents divorced and i'm actually really fine with it yeah like i'm glad my parents divorced which was an interesting thing, like, to find that there are people who are really impacted by things and people who are not. Yeah. And again, grain of salt. You mm-hmm. read, if something comes up and you're like, oh, that doesn't fit me, it probably doesn't fit you. Yeah. Yeah. Any other hot topics that we have seen before we wrap up? No, but I'll probably think of them at 2 a.m. tonight <laughs> when I randomly wake Part up. Two. Um no, this, this was fun. And I kind of like the, just like, we're just chit-chatting about things with no, um, just like form questions. This is like a normal conversation with us. Topic. This is just oh, like a-, a normal conversation, like our 7am voice sure. yeah. chats when getting ready for work and stuff. So yeah. 
Well, I loved having you on again. Congrats on being my first repeat guest. Um, yes. For like the one person listening who's not already following you, where can people <laughs> find you on social? You can find me on you can find me on Instagram and TikTok um, at Not Your Average Therapist. Therapist is spelled T H R P S T, and I, I make funny, relatable videos that will call you out every yeah. other day. And I will um, link those in the show notes. So, well, thank you, Kristen, for joining me. This was really fun. And um, I am hoping that people listen and are like, oh, yes, like I've seen that because I know I have a lot of people listening that are therapists or um, people interested in mental health. So thank you. And thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining for today's episode of Psych Talk. And I will catch you in the next episode. Bye. This episode of Psych Talk was brought to you in collaboration with Dive Through. Dive Through is a mental wellness company that helps you dive through what you go through. Dive Through has an introspection app which includes guided breathing, journaling, and reflection. I've been using the Dive Through app for almost a year now, and it really helps center me when I'm feeling overwhelmed. Their website includes blog posts on a variety of topics from emotional well-being to personal growth to parenthood and the LGBTQIA community. They have a free anxiety guide created by two licensed mental health professionals, as well as other mental health podcasts. To download the app, click the link in my show notes. And for more information, visit divethrough.com. That's D-I-V-E-T-H-R-U dot com. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Psych Talk. I hope you found so much value. If you loved what you heard or gained some knowledge, I would love for you to take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram stories, and tag me at Jessica Lee PhD. Additionally, I would be honored if you leave a review and five-star rating so I can continue to help this podcast grow. If you are not already, follow me on Instagram and join my Facebook community, Grow Through What You Go Through. Thank you for joining me today, and I cannot wait for you to join me during the next episode. Remember, you are loved, you are worthy, and you are braver than you know.